Welcome to Keep the Flow, the podcast that looks under the hood of the creative process to keep your creative engine humming. I'm your host, Scott McLemore, a drummer and composer living way up north in Iceland. I've been involved in various creative pursuits, including working in graphic design and writing about creativity. In this podcast, I'm going to share with you what I've learned along the way. Here we go. Okay, got my water, got my snacks. All right, I think we're ready to go. Just hit record here. Oh, it's already going. Okay. So today, I want to talk about something that shares some traits with creativity, can be beneficial to creativity, but also get in the way of it, which is productivity. I think the relationship between creativity and productivity is super interesting. Like, if they had Facebook pages, the relationship status would say, it's complicated. On the one hand... They're both about doing stuff. They can both feel fulfilling. They can both improve the quality of our lives. They can both lead to finished work that we're proud of. But on the other hand, the need to be productive can keep us from being creative. It can keep us focused on checking things off our to-do list and divert us from the bigger, more nebulous activities that are harder to boil down to an item on a checklist. They can be complementary, or contradictory. It's bizarre. If we look at the roots of the words create and produce, they almost seem the same. Maybe a little like the difference in creation and production. It's very subtle. But activity to the end, and it's a whole other thing. How can these things seem so similar and yet get in each other's way? Except, of course, when they're helping each other. Confused? Me too. Let's get started. So I just want to apologize for my voice first because I've been uh, my voice was not prepared to record uh, so many podcasts. I'm trying to do the first three sort of all at once, and I was recording the second one last night, and now my voice is just sort of I think still in recovery mode or something. So anyway, doing my best. In this episode, I thought it would be good to explore the dynamic between these forces, productivity and creativity, and how we can steer them into alignment and find a happy medium for us as creative people. We creative types get pigeonholed a lot as the spaced out dreamers who don't know what day it is, who only think about their creative work and never show up anywhere on time. It's not really accurate. I know some artists that are incredibly well-organized and productive and seem very grounded in their daily life. Unfortunately, I'm not one of them. So, I, I'm, I'm a pretty disorganized person in a lot of ways. In some parts of my life, I would describe myself as barely functional. However, because I know that about myself, I take countermeasures. Or I try to, at least. I put reminders in my phone to do things like leave for work at the right time, or pay the credit card bill, or do laundry, because otherwise I know I'll forget. 
The problem is when I forget to put it in my phone to begin with. That can also happen. Less and less these days. But there was a time when I would be cooking breakfast or something and the phone would ring and it would be somebody asking me where I was. I'm cooking breakfast, where are you? Invariably, I was not where I was supposed to be, which was usually a rehearsal. Luckily, the people I play with most know me well enough now to send a reminder the day before or the morning of. But it hasn't been an issue for a while because I got sick of being that guy. On my quest for organization, I got sucked down the productivity rabbit hole and got really into trying to organize my life and make a habit of writing things down immediately. When someone calls about a gig or rehearsal now, it goes into my calendar before I get off the phone with them. But when I get curious about something, I get curious about it for real. And so I went to the highest authority on most things I'm curious about, YouTube, of course. I typed in, how to be more organized and not forget to go to rehearsals, or something like that. Organization is closely linked to productivity by the algorithm. So the search results came back with all these productivity gurus like Tim Ferriss, Ali Abdal, or Tiago Forte. They all had seemingly endless advice on getting organized and getting things done. Before I knew it, I had downloaded like seven different apps, all supposed to make me a productivity superstar. I'm still really interested in it. And I can't resist a new app. But I did feel I had reached a point of diminishing returns. Honestly, I probably reached that point, circled back a few times, and reached it again. It's addictive, because it feels like you're making progress when you're actually just hearing similar advice in many different ways. And with each app, you waste time learning a new system. But it's so shiny and brand new. And there's always a free trial. But I realized I wasn't really making anything. I was thinking about wanting to be productive and then looking up ways to be productive, but not really doing much with the advice that I found. It turned into a form of procrastination, disguised as research. The truth is, we creative folks need productivity as part of our process. We have to actually do the work. Daydreaming is great, but we have to be able to harness it. In the last episode I did on curiosity, I talked about making time for aimlessness, which is basically business speak for daydreaming. I guess people in the business world don't like the idea of telling their employees to daydream. Aimlessness sounds much less productive if you ask me, but anyway. Making the time to let our minds wander is wonderful for stimulating ideas, but we can't get stuck there, as tempting as it is. This is just one technique related to one phase of the creative process. Ideation without refinement is like spending all day grocery shopping, then, but then forgetting to cook the food. Both parts are necessary for good eating. We know that creative thinking is handled by the right brain while analytical thinking goes on in the left brain, for the most part. Related to that, a psychologist in the 1950s came up with the terms divergent or convergent thinking. Simply put, divergent thinking is like brainstorming, just looking at endless possibilities, while convergent thinking is trying to make sense of all the ideas in search of an answer. We need both to do our work. If you ever heard of the term design thinking, this is a big part of that concept. 
coming up with ideas, and then processing the ideas into something tangible or useful. We shouldn't try to do both at once, though. That's when we can derail our creativity by trying to be productive, or we can go off on a tangent and delay bringing our work into being. I've heard writers warn against editing while writing. First do the writing, or divergent thinking. Get everything out of your brain and then switch hats, and the editing process, or convergent thinking, comes later. Let me talk about design thinking for a minute. This is a non-linear process with five phases. One, emphasize. Two, define. Three, ideate. Four, prototype. And five, test. Because it's non-linear, we can jump around in the process and repeat phases when needed. Empathizing and ideation are divergent, while defining and prototyping are convergent. I've also heard this described as a double diamond process. If you could imagine two diamonds side by side, and as we go from left to right, the shape widens, which is the divergent part, and then narrows toward the convergent phase. But the diamonds aren't necessarily the same size. We might spend way more time in one part or the other. This is a way of organizing creativity, and in a way it's like injecting productivity into the creative process. We need both. It's yin and yang, divergent, convergent, creativity, productivity, inhale, exhale, two sides of a coin, wax on, wax off. In the next section, we'll look at actionable ways we can use productivity to enhance our creative workflows. And I'm going to go get some tea or something because my throat is rough. So still no sponsors for this podcast. Honestly, I don't expect that to happen for a while, which is kind of nice too. Less ads. However, one way you can support the show is through the affiliate links I put in the episode notes, which you can see in whatever app you're using to listen. I mentioned Blinkist before, which has been a great resource for finding books, but I actually just got done with the audiobook version of The Creative Act by Rick Rubin on Audible. I've just recently started listening to audiobooks, and Audible has been great for that. So I've got links to both Blinkist and Audible in the episode notes, as well as links to my Bandcamp page if you want to check out my music. No pressure. I should probably let you know that I actually wrote and played and recorded the theme song and all the music you hear in the show, but my albums are nothing like this. Sort of. Well, anyway... The links are in the episode notes. And now, back to Keep the Flow. Here we go with five ways to supercharge our creative work with productivity. Actually, that could be a good title for the episode. Sounds a little clickbaity, but I don't know. All right, 
Number one, document the daydreams. We're not always going to be able to access that magical place where the ideas flow, but when we do, don't forget to write them down, record them, or somehow memorialize it. As a composer, voice memos come in handy. I just tell my phone to start recording and either sing an idea or play it on the piano. I also record videos of my composition process for Patreon, which has been amazing because I can go back and quickly see what I'm doing instead of having to learn it by ear each time. So it makes picking up where I left off way more fast and frictionless. For visual people, you probably carry a sketchbook. If not, you should. But if you're somewhere without it and you sketch something on a napkin or whatever, take a picture of it. That way, if you lose the napkin or leave it in a pocket of something that inevitably gets washed, you still have the idea. And you're likely to see the idea and be reminded of it when you're scrolling through your photos. And write things down. If there's anything worthwhile I learned from that productivity rabbit hole, it was to take notes. Note-taking is like a competitive sport to some of these YouTube nerds. I'm not quite there, but... I do use an app called Craft quite a bit to organize my ideas. It started off just being a tool I used to keep my students organized, but then I quickly realized the potential to put all sorts of stuff into it. However you go about it, document as much as you can. Okay, moving right along. Number three, review your notes. This is another thing I got at the bottom of that rabbit hole. Reviewing our notes regularly can be an incredible way to jumpstart our process. This can be a weekly review or every other week or once a month, whatever works best for you. Personally, as a composer, once a month works for me. My voice memos are quite extensive and so a weekly review of that would overwhelm me. I usually already have things I'm actively working on, but sometimes during a review I can find something that fits with what I'm doing. More often than not, it sends me off in a completely new direction. As a writer, or now podcaster, I review notes for my newsletter and this show much more regularly. Oh, by the way, I have a newsletter called The Interval, which you can subscribe to through my website. It's free. I also take notes when I'm practicing drums. These can be in the form of little videos or voice memos or a written note, either with words or musical notes. I also keep all of this in craft so I can refer back to it when I'm practicing. And here's number four. We're making good time. Use a to-do list. To-do lists, or in the new terminology, task managers, sounds much more fancy, they can be really useful for creatives. In the traditional sense, it can help us keep track of our normal day-to-day stuff, like doing laundry or remembering to buy toilet paper or, wait, that reminds me, I'm just going to write that down real quick. Sorry, where was I? Oh, yes. Task managers. They can also be super useful for remembering creative tasks. In most of them, you can set reminders and schedule tasks at different times. When I show up to practice, having something that pops up on my phone telling me to practice triplets, for instance, can be an awesome way to immediately get into the practice mode. So if there are certain creative ideas that you know you want to explore, put it in your to-do list. I use one called Things 3. There's also another one called Todoist that's good too. But 
Also, if you have an iPhone, the built-in reminders app can be enough for most people. I also have random quotes scheduled to pop up now and then. Today I got, seek out accomplishment instead of joy, which I can't even remember where I heard, but it's been incredibly helpful to think about now and then. And finally, number five, close the office. This is perhaps one of the hardest pieces of advice to follow, especially if you live alone. Many of us do our creative work from home. When you don't have a different location for work and home, it can be difficult to set boundaries for each part of your life. If you do your work at the dining room table, and then eat lunch there, and then go back to work there, and then eat dinner there, it can be hard to get your brain out of the work. I know this from experience. I think we need separate areas that we can get away from at the end of the day. Three days a week I teach at an art school in a town close to Reykjavik. I usually go early to use that space to do my own work, and then sometimes I'll stay a little later. When I'm done, it feels much more like I'm re-entering civilian life. But on the days I don't teach, the lines are much more blurry. I recently did some work on a little office space that we have downstairs just for that reason. Actually, I'm here right now. Having that space, even though it's at home, makes a huge difference. When I'm in there, I know what I'm there to do. And so does my family. And then when I leave the office, it's like stepping into another part of my life. But this brings up another point. We can't be productive all the time. Having the physical boundaries are useless if mentally we can't relax because we are always thinking about what we need to work on. We have to develop mental boundaries too and give ourselves some grace, right? There's nothing worse for productivity than getting burned out. So let's be nice to ourselves as a preventative measure. So that's all I've got today. But before I sign off, I just want to say it feels good to be productive. When I get my to-do list out and start checking things off, each item feels like a little victory. Sometimes though, the little victories can get in the way of the big ones. It can be hard to put the creative tasks in our list because we don't even know what they are yet. We have to set aside time for the unknown and explore those unknown worlds, but also look at the to-do list every once in a while. Hey, working on this episode has been a blast. I'll catch you in the next one. Until then, keep the flow. Keep the flow.